Hello everyone and welcome to Multidisciplinary Dialogue, Clinical Rounds and Case Reviews with your host, Dr. Anil Harrison, who is the Associate Program Director for the Internal Medicine Residency Program and the Ambulatory Care Director at Toro University and St. Joseph's Medical Center Dignity Health in Stockton, California. Today we have a case review that Dr. Harrison and Dr. Paul Shu will analyze and provide treatment insights. Dr. Shu is a second year internal medicine resident at St. Joseph's Medical Center in Stockton, California. In this episode, we'll discuss a patient with respiratory acidosis. The views of the speakers are their own and do not reflect the views of their respective institutions or the views of Consultant 360. Good morning, sunny California. Good morning, Paul. Today, we have a very, very important topic to discuss. It's actually part of our acid base series. This is episode five. Correct. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Harrison, if I recall correctly, this is today's presentation is going to be on respiratory acidosis and alkalosis and the AA gradient, big A, little a gradient. Correct. Yes. Paul, if you remember, the last one was, I think, on a normal anion gap metabolic acidosis and a high anion gap metabolic acidosis. Shameless self-promotion, folks. If you missed that episode, <laughs> please, I, I, I invite you all to uh, check us out. That podcast is particularly foundational, just like this one and the next one. So you don't want to miss any of them, really. I saw a really interesting patient to start us off. Coincidentally, serendipitously, mm-hmm. we have a patient to talk about. A 22-year-old is evaluated in the ER for altered mental status, a heart rate of 50 or 50 per minute, blood pressure of 100 over 60, respiratory rate of 6 per minute. The patient is afebrile with pinpoint pupils. Blood gases reveal the pH of 7.3, PCO2 of 50, PO2 of 80, and a bicarb of 26. Yeah, that's a good one, Paul. So to understand acidosis and alkalosis, as we know, carbon dioxide, which is produced by cells, combines with water. And this is the respiratory component to form carbonic acid, which is H2CO3. The H2CO3 then breaks down into hydrogen ions and bicarbonate ions, the latter being the metabolic component. Therefore, it makes sense if there is too much of carbon dioxide, either because of an excess production or because it cannot be blown out, this results in an increase in hydrogen ions, which constitutes acidosis. The hydrogen ions and bicarbonate ions are then managed by the kidneys. With respiratory acidosis, the pH is less than 7.35 and the PCO2 is more than 45, as the kidneys tend to retain bicarb or dump excess of hydrogen ions as a compensatory mechanism. On the other hand, with respiratory alkalosis, the pH is greater than 7.45 and the PCO2 is less than 35, while the kidneys again compensate by getting rid of bicarbonate or retaining hydrogen ions. So, you know, the question might be, what happens with acute versus chronic respiratory acidosis? So, Paul, with acute respiratory acidosis, the PCO2 acutely goes above 45, and hence the pH goes below 7.35, which is in contrast with chronic respiratory acidosis or an acute on chronic respiratory acidosis, where the PCO2 is much greater than a baseline of 45. The pH, however, 
might be less than 7.35, or it might be normal because of the compensatory mechanisms of the kidney in trying to retain bicarbonate over a period of time. Ah, so what happens with acute versus chronic respiratory alkalosis then? Sure. In acute respiratory alkalosis, the PCO2 acutely goes below 35 and the pH goes above 7.45. In chronic respiratory alkalosis or with acute on chronic respiratory alkalosis, the PCO2 is much less than 35 and the pH can be normally or be slightly alkaline. This is because, once again, the kidneys have had adequate time in dumping bicarbonate over, over a period. So then what causes respiratory acidosis where the pH is less than 7.35 and the PCO2 is greater than 45? Sure. So simplistically, we divide this into the patient won't breathe, can't breathe, or can't breathe enough. What do I mean by that? So if you think about it, if the problem is in the central nervous system, where there is not enough stimulus to the respiratory centers in the brain, the patient won't breathe. Or the patient can't breathe adequately due to issues either with the peripheral nerves, the neuromuscular junction, or chest muscle weakness, or chest wall and pleural issues, or with issues in the upper airways. The last one is where a person can have respiratory acidosis, which can occur because the patient cannot breathe enough, which is due to an abnormal gas exchange between the alveoli and the capillaries. The latter can be discerned with an AA gradient, a capital A, which stands for alveolar, and a small a, which stands for arterial. Wait, 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 Dr. Harrison, this is you're, you're talking about this AA gradient, uh, the big A, little a, mm -hmm. which, so first of all, what does the big A stand for? And what does the little a stand for? And how does one measure it? Sure. So once again, Paul, the big A is alveolar and the small a is arterial. Or the alveolar arterial gradient is important in discerning issues with gas exchange between the alveolus and the arterial end of the pulmonary capillaries. The big A represents alveolar oxygen and the small a represents arterial oxygen. An increased gradient called increased capital A, small a gradient represents an issue either in the alveolus, the interstitial space, or on the arterial end of the pulmonary capillaries. And hence gas exchange is not occurring efficiently. The big A, small a gradient or the alveolar arterial gradient equals 2.5 plus 0.21 times age in years. A simpler way is if you add age plus four and divide it by four. The normal A gradient ranges between, I would say, five to 20. And when the AA gradient is above 20, one starts worrying about an abnormality which we've discussed before. There is another one that is the PaO2 divided by the FiO2 ratio, which is another common measure of oxygenation and is most often employed in ventilated patients or patients who are on ventilators. A normal PaO2 by FiO2 ratio is about 300 to 500 mm of mercury, with values less than 300 millimeters of mercury indicating abnormal gas exchange and values less than 200 indicating severe hypoxemia. This, there's just so much high yield information 
in what Dr. Harrison just said in the preceding three paragraphs. We talked about the AA gradient, what is expected for normal range based on age, a simple formula, age plus four divided by four, as well as the PF ratio, which many of you probably are have heard of the Howowitz, mm-hmm. which the PF ratio tells us, um, you know, the severity of uh, patients, I guess, what is it? Pulmonary edema, anything that might affect the oxygenation. Absolutely. So the, we have to cover this in uh, another podcast, Dr. Harrison, talking about ventilation and ICU patients. Would be happy to. Excellent. Well, not to derail this, this entire podcast. So could you give us some examples of respiratory alkalosis, Dr. Harrison? Sure. So respiratory as alkalosis is, you know, when the pH is greater than 7.45 and the PCO2 is less than 35. So if you think about it, you know, disorders like asthma or pulmonary embolism, pulmonary edema, pneumothorax, and if it's in the nervous system, disorders such as central neurogenic disorders, pain and panic disorders, endocrine disorders such as with pregnancy and thyrotoxicosis, and of course, liver issues, you know, such as cirrhosis, systemic disorders such as sepsis, or, you know, if the person's on medications, and of course, uh, salicylates, topiramate, progesterone, uh, theophylline, nicotine, caffeine, they can all cause uh, respiratory alkalosis. Now that we have covered the the basics, what are your thoughts on our 22-year-old who is evaluated for altered mental status with pinpoint pupils, bradycardia, and bradypenia, blood gases revealed pH of 7.3, a PCO2 of 50, a PO2 of 80 and a bicarb of 26. I think, you know, the patient with a pH of 7.3 and a PCO2 of 50 with altered mental status and pinpoint pupils with a slow heart rate and is breathing slow, who has an acute respiratory acidosis, it could be secondary to an opioid overdose. And you might agree in considering giving naloxone, though looking out for opioid withdrawal as well. Oh. All right. I have another one to throw at you then. What about mm-hmm. a 24-year-old pregnant female mm-hmm. with blood glasses revealing a normal pH, but a low PCO2 of 34 and a slight low bicarb of 20? What are your thoughts? Okay. So with a normal pH and a low PCO2, this patient has probably a chronic respiratory alkalosis, secondary to, I think, progesterone and her pregnancy. Mm. The bicarb, Paul, if you notice, is low as the kidneys have had time to compensate. And from a previous podcast, if you remember, if you add 15 to the bicarb of 20, it equals 35, which is close to the patient's PCO2 of 34. So I feel this is chronic respiratory alkalosis secondary to pregnancy. Well, certainly adding 15, it's a very quick way than running Winter's formula. I believe so, yes. Well, folks, that's all we have for you for this episode covering arterial blood gases. Next episode, we'll continue the series and we'll continue to provide more cases, practice cases, so that you guys can follow along and feel free to reach out if you guys have any questions about anything that we've talked about. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thank you, Paul. All right. Take care, guys.